Welcome back, MC2C family. This is the fifth episode in a six-part series where Daniel will be covering the five steps every Mastering College to Career mentee learns. In this week's episode, you'll be getting an inside look into how to master the interviewing process. By the end of this week's episode, you'll learn some of the most important questions you should be answering and a few you should be asking as well. And don't forget to tune in for the last episode of the series next week. You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Master in College Two Career Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the interview. Woo! And if you've made it to the interview, just understand you're like 90% there, right? You're right there. You're right there because less than 5% of all applicants actually even make it this far. So you should be really, really proud of yourself. Um, and I'm excited for you. So let's talk about the interview, how to master the interview. And what we're going to be covering in today's episode is the strategy behind the interview. Why do companies have interviews? Why does it matter? What's the ultimate question you need to actually answer? There's only one question. You may get asked hundreds of questions, but there's only one question um, that you need to answer. And I'm also going to teach you how to get instant feedback from your interview. Because I don't know about you, but if you've been to interviews and you've asked and you get rejected and you've asked for feedback, no one ever gives you feedback. I'll tell you why, but I'll tell you how to change that. So stay tuned for the episode. Um, just a reminder, this is episode um, five of our six uh, series, a uh, six episode series on the Mastering College to Career journey, right? This is about mastering the interview. And if you haven't listened, last episode, we talked about networking. And then to, uh, next week's episode, not tomorrow's, next week's episode, we're going to be talking about salary negotiation and financial freedom. So Let's get started. Let's get started. Let's get started. All right. Number one, let's understand this. <clears throat> Why do companies have interviews in the first place? Like, have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever thought about why even companies make you interview for roles? Is there a better way to do this? And <clears throat> here's the answer. The reason why companies have interviews is because anytime they hire someone, um, the companies are making an investment. And the bigger the investment, the more important the role, whether it's a financial commitment, like they pay really well for this role, or it's just an important role, right? Like um, a critical strategic role, the more interviews, the bigger, the longer the process there is to mitigate the risk of this investment, right? Because I talked about this in a couple of episodes, but I'm recapping it a lot here, right? Every company, regardless of its size, <clears throat> whether it's Amazon, Facebook, the U.S. government, Lockheed Martin, Tesla, it doesn't matter, <clears throat> has limited resources. And because the company has limited resources, they've made a strategic decision to say, okay, if we're hiring this software developer, we can't use that $100,000 for marketing. We can't use that $100,000 to buy a new piece of equipment. We can't use that $100,000 to hire an accountant, right? We are allocating those resources, which means that you're an investment. That's it, plain and simple. It doesn't matter if you're working for a nonprofit, your university, a business, 
it's still limited resources comes down to an investment. And that's what the interview is, is to mitigate the risk on that investment, right? It's the more interviews, the more steps you have, it's just ultimately trying to figure out if you're the right investment, right? There's, if you're in a, in a technical STEM major, there is going to be a technical assessment, right? Like, how are we going to pay you 80, 100, $150,000 if you can't even do the technical thing that we need you to do, right? So we'll have you do a technical assessment, right? Why do we have behavioral interviews? Well, because we're going to ask you questions of situations that are guaranteed to happen to you in the job. And if how you answer it now, it's going to be a good indicator how you're going to do it, right? If I ask you, tell me about a time where you had to deal with a difficult customer, right? That is because most likely in the role you're going to be working on, you're going to be dealing with difficult customers. So how you handle that in the past is going to be a good indicator of how you will handle it in the future, right? Because past performance is a great indicator of future performance. And that is why companies have interviews. It's to make sure they're making the right investment. So you might have one round of interviews if you're an intern. You might have 10 rounds of interviews if you're interviewing for a job at Google, right? And each interview might ask you 10 questions. But here is the thing. Here is the thing. Out of those 10 questions, 50 questions, 100 questions you get asked, ultimately comes down to one question that you need to answer. And the person who answers these questions the best will ultimately get the job is, out of all the applicants, why are you the best investment for the company? Why are you a low risk, high potential investment? And what comes down to that is two things. One, you need to prove two things. One, why are you low risk investment? Meaning, why do you want to build a career there? Why are you, this is not just a job for you, but why is this a career, right? Have you ever, think about this for a second. Have you ever applied for a job where you were like overqualified and you're like, wow, why didn't I get the job? I'm overqualified for this. I can't even get a, a job that I'm overqualified for. The reason why it's not that you can't do the job is actually because you're a high risk employee because the odds are is that you're overqualified. They know you're overqualified and they know that you're just looking for a stepping stone. They know that six months later down the line, you're going to find another job that you're more qualified for and you're going to leave. And that is going to cost our company a lot of money because we spend time hiring you, onboarding you, training you for you to leave. That's why even being overqualified is a reason not to get the job because you are a high risk hired. Now, that's one step. So what you need to do is prove to them why you want to work there why you're so aligned with the company's mission, vision, why you understand the problem that they're trying to hire for and why you're the solution. Why you not only want to not, why do you not only envision yourself doing the current job that, that you're applying for, but why do you see yourself growing and building a career with them? The second part of this investment is how are you a high potential employee? Just like when you are investing in anything, whether you invest in stocks, uh, whether you invest in cryptocurrencies, whether you invest in real estate, whether you invest in time, you invest your time, right? If you're a college student, you're like, Daniel, I'm freaking broke. I don't invest. I'm like, it's okay. You do invest. You invest with time. How do you want a return on investment, right? So that's what you need to think about this. Every job, regardless of what it is, either makes the company money 
or saves the company money, right? Or a combination of both, but it does one of those things, right? It does one of those things. What you need to figure out is that how does your job make or save the company money? And do you know what your department does and your job is? And how do you prove that you can not only do this job, but two jobs up? How do you prove that if you're getting paid $100,000, that what you're going to be doing, either going to save the company over $100,000 or make the company over $100,000? Because they're not in business to break even, right? And a good way to do this is go to find out what your total company profits are and divide that by the number of employees. And that would tell you what the company is looking to make per employee. Now, is it going to be a perfect number? No, but at least it gives you a baseline for you to understand that if PepsiCo has $77 billion in revenue and they have 77,000 employees that they're looking to make $100,000 per employee, right? So you either make a company $100,000 or you're saving the company $100,000, right? I, I might've done the math wrong, but you get the point. You get the point. Don't check me. The, I mean, fine, fact check me. That's fine. Put it in the comments. But I guess you get the point. You get the point. Um, and so that's the question that you need to do that. Now, I also want to talk about the difference interviews, right? Uh, there's the initial screening interview. There's the interview with the hiring manager. And there's an interview with the director and executive. I'm going to quickly kind of go over this, right? It goes back with what we've been talking about, the interview whole process, and understand what is the purpose of each one, right? The initial screening is generally the recruiter right? They're not a complete expert in the role. They kind of have a general idea of what's going on. And that in interview is, can you do the job, right? The recruiter has a job description. They had a call with the hiring manager. The hiring manager told them what they were looking for. The recruiters trying to find those candidates, narrow that talent pool down to a manageable about amount of number where then the hiring manager can only interview the best of the best, the people that can actually do the job. Now, the hiring manager is going to be checking two things. Can you do the job? But more importantly, can you solve the problem they have? Remember if I was talking about this in the networking, people are human. Uh, or, well, they are human, duh, duh, duh. But people, because we're human, we are selfish creatures. And because we're selfish creatures, we're always thinking what's in it for us, right? The recruiters thinking what's in it for them. For them is how we get the best candidates and present it to the hiring manager. For the hiring manager, you have to understand why this role is even open. As the team is growing, was the person that had this job before got fired, got promoted, went to a lateral move, right? Did he quit? Whatever that is, right? You have to understand. So you have to understand that if because the job's open, there's someone doing that job right now, right? It might not be doing it well. It might be the hiring manager. It might be your potential coworker. So understand their needs. Why do they need this filled out? What do they need to fill? Like, what part of the job needs to be done faster? right? Do they have the time to train you or do they want somebody that can come in and just do the job right away, right? There's different strategies to, like, there's different strategies to go into the interview based on the reason why the job's open. That's the second type of interview. The third type of interview is with the director, vice president, the executive. And this is finally, a lot of times, they have the final say um, because ultimately they're the department and you have to understand these people are more strategic. These people are not thinking, can Daniel do the job at PepsiCo as a sales associate? They're thinking more, can he be a district sales manager? Can he be a director? Can he do two jobs forward? Does he have the potential? Does she have the potential 
to be a future leader in the organization. And that's what they're looking for in those interviews. Now there's technical interviews, they're checking technical interviews uh, and behavioral interviews are checking uh, about things that most likely will happen to you in that job. Uh, I know, so this is all the strategy about interviewing, right? Um, in this podcast, we won't be talking about the star method, all that. We just don't have the time for that. We're talking strategy. Now, <clears throat> last point for this podcast episode about interviewing. Feedback is so important, right? Feedback is so crucial. And so what we want to do is really get feedback. Now, if you wait after you got the rejection email to get feedback, you're not going to get it. Uh, companies won't give you feedback because of liability issues. They don't want to get sued if, if, by someone that says, hey, I didn't get the job because of, I was discriminated by my race, by my gender, by my religion, by my age, right? Like all this other factors that you can be discriminated for. But here's what you can do, right? In the end of the interview, the, most likely 99% of people, if not everybody, will ask you, do you have any questions for me? And this is really important. The answer is yes. You always want to have questions. You always want to have anywhere from three to five questions. Um, you want to ask a question about the role, a question about the interviewer, and a question about the company, right? And if you have other questions that you generally have, you genu genuinely have, have them. Having no questions actually shows that you don't care, actually shows that you're not prepared. So you want to have questions. Now, what type of questions do you want to have, right? Uh, or we talked about that, but here's the final, final question that you need to always ask at the end of every interview. Write it down. Is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for this role? Let me say that one more time. Is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for this role? That magic question will give you feedback. There's a couple of ways this can go. When you ask that question, you're going to catch them off guard especially if they don't interview a lot. If you're interviewing a hiring manager, they don't do a lot of interviews, they might catch them off guard. But here's what could happen. Worst case scenario, they go, you know what, Daniel? I just don't think you have enough leadership skills to do this job, right? They'll give you an objection. They'll tell you why they're not going to move you forward. They'll give you that feedback right away. In that scenario, you have one chance to either A, tell them what you actually do have the experience, or B, tell them what you're going to do to get the experience. You cannot have the opportunity to save this interview. Now, is it always going to work out that way? No. Are they always going to tell you that? No. But you have a much, much higher chance of getting feedback that way than not getting it after the interview. Now, what happens if it actually became positive, right? If you actually did great. And so you ask that question again, right? You ask that at the end. Is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for this role? And then they say, you know what, Daniel, I think you'll be a great fit. That's your permission to ask for the follow-up question. Say, okay, I am so glad you believe that. I believe that as well. What are the next steps? So that allows you to leave the interview with knowing what to do next. Now, what happens if you're in the middle, right? Here's the most likely scenario that you're going to get, and that's okay too. You know what, Daniel? Uh, thank you so much for your time. We're in the middle of interviewing other candidates. We will update you. We'll let you know kind of thing. But if that happens, it's okay. Don't be alarmed. What I need you to do now is just say, no, I understand. Thank you so much for your time. Um, is it okay with you if I follow up in a week, right? I want to make sure that regardless of the outcome, regardless of what they reply to you, you're leaving the interview with what are the next steps. You know when you can follow up. You know what happens next. 
and you have a gut feeling of how you feel about the interview. Because what I hate, this happened to one of my clients when they were interviewing with Tesla a couple of weeks ago. They went to the interview. They thought it was amazing. They did not ask this question. When I asked them, hey, how did your interview go? They're like, it went amazing. I felt great. I felt confident. And then they got a rejection email. That's the worst thing that can happen because for those two weeks, my client didn't do anything. He didn't apply to a new job. He stopped kind of networking, kind of stopped the process. But if he would have asked that question, whether he got rejected or not, right? At least he knew where he stood. At least he knew what he should be doing and what he should be focusing on moving forward. And that's the beautiful part about this question. So please commit to asking that question moving forward. Again, um, the interview ultimately helps the company understand if you are the right investment for them or not. Make that easy for them. Make it easy for them to see why you're the right investment um, and you're going to be successful. Uh, interviews are done for a reason. Always try to think, why are they doing this? Why do we have so many steps? Why are they having me do this? Um, it's for a reason, I promise you. And that's it, guys. Gals, you're awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with one friend. Share it with a friend that has an interview coming up. This episode could change their life. It can help them. Just by answering, asking that question can change everything. If you've enjoyed it, or if you didn't, if all I can ask for you is to share with one friend, I'll be extremely grateful. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll be talking about salary negotiation and financial freedom, which is the last step of this whole journey. Catch you guys later. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.